Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we're going to talk about the finale of season one of Lord Dex. No small parts. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies. Starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How are you doing, man? Excited to be here. Can't wait to hear what everybody thinks about this. And I have thoughts about this. So glad to be here. Awesome sauce. Good to hear. And at the, at the Ready Room headquarters in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, we have Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, man? I am doing great, man. Doing very good. Another great night in the Ready Room recording studio. Uh Sort of excited to talk about this episode. Uh, I was not disappointed. So, yay! Yeah, well, <laughs> good things, man. Also, in, in Ready Room HQ, we have Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about this episode too because spoiler, I actually liked this one. Wow, Jeremy liked an episode. This is going to be epic. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny. When we first started, I thought Jonathan would have the most consistently low scores, but I think you beat him, Jeremy. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be good at something, I guess being good at this is going to have to work. Uh, go all the way, huh? <laughs> right. Like always, you can support the show by subscribing, leaving us a review, or telling a friend. If you have a review idea, send that along with anything else you want us to know or to talk about to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. We have some news, guys. Of course, we had New York Comic Con, well, virtual version of the New York Comic Con over the past week. And we got a few tidbits from the Star Trek um, panel that they had. First and foremost, Kate McGrew set to star as Captain Janeway in Nickelodeon's Star Trek Prodigy. What do we think, guys? I'm there for it. I love me some Janeway. So I am like all on board for it. I wasn't, honestly, beforehand. I mean, and and this is not even knowing anything about the show other than it's on Nickelodeon. So I'm judging before I've even seen the book, not much less by the cover. However, Janeway makes me want to read the book. Awesome. Anybody else have any thoughts? Um, I am cautiously optimistic. <laughs> Lord Dex has kind of tainted my expectations for animated trick. But Janeway's involved. How can you not be excited? Yeah, yeah. Thoughts, Jeremy? I'm going to kind of piggyback on Jonathan here. You know, I'm excited for Janeway. I'm not excited for a Nickelodeon cartoon. But, you know, I'm going to, I guess, reserve my hatred until I watch it. Yeah. Apparently, she's read the scripts and, and, and thought they were excellent. Um, so, if a little bit more about the show. It's developed by uh, Kevin and Dan Hagman, who are Emmy Award winners. They did the shows Troll Hunters and Ninjago, the Ninjago series on Nickelodeon. So that's pretty interesting. And Star Trek Prodigy follows a group of lawless teens who discover a derelict Starfleet ship and use it to search for adventure, meaning and salvation. Already with the title, I think I'm going to enjoy it more than Star Trek, <laughs> the Lord Dex. But <laughs> but we'll see, because I, I, I kind of think 
they're they're going to be using this as a gateway for the younger audience. I do think this one is probably going to be more on the serious side uh, versus what we've seen in Lower Decks. Uh, I really think they're going for something different. You know, it and I can't really see uh, Kate McGrew doing something that's um, overly stupid and silly. But yeah, so so I am expecting this to be a little more serious. Uh, anything that Kate McGrew is involved in, I can't really see being slapstick funny or or over the top stupid like some of the things in Lower Decks have been. So I'm I'm kind of excited about it, man. Uh, welcome back, Captain Janeway. So yeah, I think it's gonna be good. You know what'll be crazy uh, that uh, the Nickelodeon series would take a more serious plot than the. CBS streaming series. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, no doubt. Um, you know, and, and we'll get into it. But this episode actually gave me hope for what the animation could be. They they did a lot of the things that we've been talking about that we wanted to see in this this latest episode. Uh, no small parts. So. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Oh, I just see another one of our discussing Trek hosts just dropped in. Carrie Brown. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How's it going? Going good, man. Going good. Glad to have you on, man, uh, for another review. For the last review, Lord X, in fact. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, let's get into a little bit more news here. We got a, well, not really news, but maybe more so an introduction. We got the opening minutes of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, as well as another trailer. So did any of you guys see any of the trailer footage or this this opening minute scene that we got for Star Trek Discovery Season 3? Loved it, man. Loved it. <laughs> and I'm still going with my guess at Burnham getting a symbiont and more specifically the Dak symbiont. I I still believe that's her in the symbiont pool. And again, this last little, the I guess the last trailer, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they showed it shows Burnham on the bridge and she kind of has her hands behind her back. And there was an episode in DS9, you know, Jezia Dex always walked around with her hands behind her back. And she had an experience where she had to kind of communicate with all her previous hosts. Mm-hmm. And she found out that one of her earliest hosts did that as a means of keeping her from talking with her hands a lot so she wouldn't seem aggressive. So she always walked around with her hands behind her back. So that kind of got passed on from host to host. And that was just kind of an important thing in Jedzia's past that she learned. And now I see Burnham doing the same exact thing, which I'm, and I could be wrong, but I didn't really see her do that at all in the first couple seasons. So mm, true. I don't remember seeing her doing a lot either. Isn't that like a Vulcan thing too, though? I might be wrong. Um, not that I know of. I mean, possible. I mean, I guess Vulcans have done it. But. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, man. I hope it's not her. For a few reasons, uh, I guess mainly because I don't want the extra pressure on Sonequa Martin-Green to be all in everything, you know. Uh, and if she has to be this this character in this, you know, 900 some odd years in the future and, and she's trying to be different. Um, she j- had her redemption season. She's come back strong in season two. But now she has to be a totally different character. That's a mix of a character we already know and love and herself. I don't, I don't think she would actually have to be a different character. I mean, mm. we just know from the symbionts, like you, each host still they're still they still are themselves, but they carry experiences and memories from their previous host. But, but look how bad we judge Ezra, though. Is 
The Esri. We we judged her because she wasn't Jadzia. Well, I judged her just because, me personally, I judged Esri just because she was not fit for a symbiote. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> she was she was too silly. I mean, I did love the character. She grew on me. But, I mean, she was just, she was not the type of person that I would see carrying a symbiote. Whereas Burnham, I think, would be a perfect recipient. The only thing that throws a wrench in all this is that um, she's she's not a uh, trill. So Burnham's yeah. not a trill. So I don't know if that's specific to trills or could anybody do it. No, I think it's going to be. I mean, if you if you freeze frame the screenshots on one of the scenes, it doesn't look like that's her in a pool to me. Now, maybe I need to go back and look, but it looked like the other character, non-binary character that was in the trailer and um that was actually on the new york comic-con panel too so i don't know man i don't think it's burnham oh here's my thought on whether or not it should be if it is a trill if that is the way they go i really hope that it is not dax because what i fear happening is if there's been 900 years since present day quote unquote of ds9 of you know the star trek as we know it we're going to not want to know about as an audience the 900 years that have happened since. We're going to be, I want Ezra or I want Jedzia Dax or I want, you know, that version. I want to see something of them, but they may be showing us something different. So if it is a trail, me personally, I don't want it to be Dax. Mm. And, and, I, and I agree with Kyle. I think if they're, you know, the symbiont is fine, but I think Dax is too much, you know, especially after almost a thousand years. So I think it's time to bring in a new one. Mm. See, I just, I don't know. And I, I guess because I'm a big DS9 fan, like, and I, I just love, I just love Dax, the symbiont Dax. And I mean, in DS9, she's already, what, 700 years old? Yeah. And it's Something just like that. that, that confidence and experience. And I, I guess you call it swagger. I just, I, I loved it from her. But see, what if you, you being the symbiont, has changed in the 900 years as they're progressing the story and you're yeah. not seeing that version of Dax, I don't want it to tarnish your opinion of the character. So that's kind of where I'm going to. Yeah. I no, it, not Burnham. It, it I, I'm fine with it being Dax, but just don't let it be Burnham that gets the symbiote. <laughs> <laughs> we will find out. Could you imagine Saru as a, as a host? Oh, God, no. Uh, he'd be a, he's already a mess. He doesn't need something else to <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need something Dax else to get in his psyche. With Gangula. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. All right. Well, guys, does anybody else have any news before we move on? Uh, So, there was an interview with Alex Kurtzman, and, you know, they're kind of asking him about the future of Discovery. And um, and his words were, well, he said he they have mapped out Star Trek till 2027. So they have plans to keep giving us new trick up till, I guess, the next seven years, at least. Um, he also has enough. He has enough material to push Discovery 10 more years, oh. especially since they're jumping to the future. I don't know if I wanted to run for 10 seasons or 10 more. Uh, <laughs> 10 in addition to the three we already had or two we already had. I don't, I don't know if I want that. That's too much. Um Never trick, man. Yeah, but I mean, maybe maybe he's saying that he just because you know Picard just started. So if you do the logical, you know, uh, 
seven seasons per Star Trek episode. It's going to run to that time anyway, seeing as we don't get a new series every year um, so far. So, yeah, I see that happening with the shows we have now. I mean, without even introducing more than than um, Strange New Worlds and Prodigy and the stuff we have right now, you know, so I hope they don't introduce too many more shows because I think I think they're almost about to cross that line of having too many. And I just don't want us as the fans, the audience, to get burnt out on on too much uh, Star Trek. Which I'm mean, agree with you. There never could be too much, but you know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also a rumor I read on ExtremeTech.com, uh, and it's just a rumor. But uh, the rumor is Avery Brooks have been has been speaking with the Kirksman crew. And maybe throwing out an idea of him doing a cameo, maybe. Hmm. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. I don't see him doing that, but if it no, happens, I, I would be especially how reclusive he's become. But yeah, that would be awesome if it happens. But I, I don't. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen, honestly. But I didn't think uh, Janeway would be coming back either. So who knows? Yeah, you never know. Yeah, I have something real quick. And it's not so much a news item. I just, it's kind of a news item. I don't know if you guys follow William Shatner on Twitter or not. Uh oh. <laughs> but one thing I've noticed with him is he is always arguing with somebody. And I was wondering, like, how the Trekkie faithful felt about him being basically being a troll on Twitter because that's what he pretty much is. <sighs> I'm, I have no problem with it. He's had a couple of, and I don't, don't ask me specifics, but. He's had a couple of uh, Twitter battles with yeah. people, and they've actually been pretty interesting. So I almost wonder if it's him or some people he have that's overseeing his social media. Like it's him that are that are just there <laughs> to protect his brand. I'm not so sure it's him. He man. did he did an interview, and he said it was this particular. And I don't the remember this was 90. a couple of years ago. <laughs> I don't know. It was man. A couple of years ago. <laughs> now maybe there's somebody actually doing the actual tweeting, but it is his words. In that particular episode or that particular incident when he was tweeting back and forth with somebody and it was more it wasn't really a serious thing. It was kind of more done and long fun, but I mean it was him. Mm. I don't know about all the others. Yeah, like every time I get on Twitter he's arguing with somebody. Like every time. Like it's just sad. But Mad Cal Denny Crane. <laughs> now I want Benny Crane tweets that's what I want alright guys we will go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Lord Dex the the season finale of season 1 No Small Parts which aired on October 8th 2020 the USS Cerritos encounters a familiar enemy while Tindy helps a struggling recruit find her footing spoilers red alert all hands stand the battle stations I'll give you the right you not destroy and I'm dead. At ease before you spray something. And let's go around the horn and get everybody's thousand foot high level view of this episode. And let's start with you, Carrie. What did you think? <sighs> All I'll say is like this episode was a culmination of everything that I hope this show would be. <laughs> that, that's yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say. Um, Jeremy, what do you think, man? The rest of the episodes had been like this. I wouldn't have been so whiny throughout the season. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Cal Jones, what about you, dude? 
Okay, so for me, I want to follow up with what Carrie said. I agree with exactly what Carrie said. I will also add that I think we needed the early episodes, and I kind of am echoing what I said last week, but I think we needed the ultimate thing that we got at the beginning to have the end, and I think it was just one big narrative, so I was happy with it. I, I, I am actually looking forward to season two. I have no complaints about this episode. And last, but certainly not least, John, what do you think? So I'm going to kind of take tidbits from a little bit of everybody. Uh, as Jeremy said, I wish all the episodes would have been this. I enjoyed this episode. Was it a really, really, really great episode? Man, not really, but it was a good episode. It was short. <laughs> it was short of... It wasn't season finale type stuff for me. Now, as Kyle said, well, he said you needed the first few episodes for this to be successful. Uh, he's right, because the first few episodes set the bar so low. <laughs> I mean, if you've already planned it out, like how are we going to make this season finale so great? Well, we're just going to have to make the rest so bad. <laughs> so that's kind of where I am with that. I don't think I can agree with you more on that, Jonathan. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't like that 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 um that path of thinking simply because I mean if if every if if, if every episode would have like mixed in comedy narrative in like of course every episode doesn't need to have a cameo but like not even the cameos the references were solid references they weren't just cheap yeah. like like if if it, if every episode would have been like this like this show would be like in, immensely more popular than it is right yeah. now. So okay. I can't agree with that thinking of like the, the first episode needed to be bad. No, I, I don't, I don't agree with that either. And I think I know John, you took it a different direction, but I think Cal was talking more so of the character progression. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's me. I wasn't saying that the original episodes at the beginning had to be bad. It was, the characters where they were annoying. And I will admit that, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, the daughter irritated the bleep out of me, but I liked her at the end. And that is ultimately as Clarence just said, character progression. What I would like to do at some point is to kind of compare the first episode of the Nickelodeon series to the first episode of Lord Dicks. Like, I feel like we're going to, and don't get me wrong, I did enjoy this episode, but I'm thinking if the first few episodes would have been up to par, I wouldn't have enjoyed this one as much. John, I mean, I'm just going to like cut you off at the knees right there. Like, you're, I, I feel like you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. <laughs> well, with the Nickelodeon? Yes. I, yeah, I, do. I mean, I get it. I, do I feel too. like I'm, you are. I mean, I mean, I'm, just, I'm being hopeful here. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Nickelodeon pulling the Star Wars Rebels on us with with Star Trek. So, like, I that like that's like absolute best case scenario would be something like Star Wars Rebels, and I just don't see that happening. Yeah, well, for me, what gave me hope at first, I was a little, you know, uh, reluctant to embrace the Nickelodeon series, but when Kate Maru says she's read like several of the scripts and she thought they were fantastic, and knowing her. Uh, acting and theater stage acting background if she thinks it's pretty good i tend to say it's going to be all right but let's wait and see because because she talked about how prestigious or how what how much reverence she has for the the character of captain janeway 
So I don't think she will let that be tarnished, you know? So, you know, we'll wait but and see. I think you need to read in between the lines there. Like, she's, she specifically says her character. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, man. I, I would just, I would, I would be real careful about expectations. <laughs> be real careful with that. Karen, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting anything great by no means. But again, I think we have this situation where the bar was set low already with Lord Dex. Like, how bad could it be in comparison? Mm. We shall find out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Whenever that comes out, which I'm assuming sometime late, late next year, probably. But who knows? Um so let's go ahead and well let me get my overall opinion. Uh this and I our friend Eric Heatherton wrote in again. He he gave it a six out of five. He loved it. And I agree with him on almost every point. The the things I had written down are kind of the the four things I've been looking for all season. They managed to do these all in this episode. Flashbacks, good flashbacks, check. Cameos, check, much needed character development, check. Charting a new course for the series. And not really depending on, I guess they do depend on other series a little bit by the end, but check, you know, I, I feel they, they hit all of that on the head. And I guess we didn't have a flashback, but we had a reference to a good reference to a previous episode that felt like a flashback to me. But so let's get into it. Cold open off the top. Did this cold open mean anything to any of you guys? And tell me it did. Cause I, I was like squee when I saw this, we, we were on the planet beta three. Is anybody familiar with the story from TOS? Didn't we review that or watch that? I don't it just, think we no, reviewed it, it. So so it comes from a TOS episode called The Return of the Archons. And there is a computer which basically controls the people. <laughs> uh, and there's like one hour out of every day. I think they call it the red hour to where they just sort of like uh, the purge. They get to just kill and do anything, you know, <laughs> to get all their aggression out. But any other time they're like, you know, very civilized human beings and very muted. It's like one of those cr- classic episodes where, where Kirk outsmarts this computer named Landrew that is kind of the, the God of those people. So that's, that's what that whole episode is about. It's a pretty good episode. Actually, you should definitely go watch it. But yeah, I just really, really appreciate it this scene um because you know and again if you watch the episode you see what all they went through to try to subdue this computer and, and then he come back all these years later and then they're still worshiping the computer so it's this is real funny <laughs> this is really hilarious and they may even make the statement about um it may have been mariner when she was talking to bonler that made the statement about how they go through all this work and and they just leave and you know they're, they're, they're bad at maintaining, but they're good at the first contact. And that's that's what like, you know, war is for us. We go out and, you know, liberate a country and just go home and then let, you know, the riffraff come back in and mess it back up. So, you know, I know what I was thinking. I was thinking that it was the animated series episode that we reviewed. That's what I thought had the computer in it. But I may have been wrong. Yeah, they did show an animated clip or a, a, a picture of the animated series in that part but i haven't seen all the animated series i don't know if landrew came back in that series but i know there's definitely a tos episode with it in it so got you got you, got you. the one good thing about lordex is that it's very much pushing me to get into the tos series which as a tricky it's one of my failings is i never really watched that particular John. series all the way through 
John, I just want to say, like, the fact that they had deep deep cuts on this show that you didn't even recognize, like that, that's legit. It's <laughs> like I like I didn't obviously I didn't recognize it, but I could tell that it wasn't just a cheap reference. Um just from the way it was set up. I mean, it right. seemed like something solid, and I was happy to hear Clarence confirm it and say there was an actual episode. Because I had I, I felt like there was an episode there. It wasn't them like at the beginning of the show when they would just just blurt out somebody's name like Captain Kirk or something, and there was yeah. like no meat meat behind yeah. it, you know. So, I mean, just from the jump, this episode like it just felt it it felt a lot more substantial. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and and they stopped doing like one of my pet peeves. One of my pet peeves in movies and television shows is don't tell me, show me. You know, why are you giving me all this exposition about yeah, something that happened? Yeah. Show, if you can show me, show me. <laughs> this is animation. You can show me. So I, I feel like the references are that more poignant when you can actually see what they're talking about. If they would just made a reference to this, I would have been like, oh, please. <laughs> but but they let me see it. So I really appreciate that. So this is the next question I have for you guys. And we kind of talked about this last week. How can the ship not know that? Mariner is Freeman's daughter. I mean, I just how (laughs) at first I thought it was just a lower deckers. It might not have known, but we find out that nobody knows that she is the daughter. I mean, any thoughts on that? Kind of hard to believe. (laughs) I I wouldn't say it's hard to believe simply because of the fact that like, it's not like they're just like, Oh my God, I don't want anybody to know you're my daughter. It would look unprofessional. Like she is legit embarrassed. You know, she's legit embarrassed by her daughter. Like she is like the black sheep of the family. Um, I'm assuming her husband has something to do. And I think they even had a conversation about this early in the series where like he's basically like maneuvered Mariner to be on her ship. Like it's not like it's not like she chose her to be there. It was kind of a, you know, she was blessed with her being on the ship. She's she's on the lower decks. So I can under, I could see everybody like everybody besides the lower decks people not knowing who she is because I mean that's the whole point of the lower decks is they're nobodies so I mean it would make sense for me for the whole ship to not who she know who she was you know it's a little harder to believe that the people that worked with her didn't know yeah but that's a small percentage of the ship yeah. look at it from this perspective Clarence you and I used to work together in the same building we worked on different floors. And we would go months never even seeing each other, yet we worked at literally, you know, one floor apart. So look at it from a starship perspective. You are around who you're around, and and if they're on lower decks, chances are they don't interact with the others as much. Yeah, I see that. Also, also, um, me and Clarence, we used to work at Walmart together on 49. He worked in the toy section. I think I started pushing carts, so I was very much a lower deck type person. <laughs> and there, there were a lot of people there that didn't know we were brothers. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's not totally unbelievable to me. Yeah, I point. didn't know it when I started with y'all. Wow, that's a good point. But 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 when we do see the problems that arise as soon as people find out she's the captain's daughter, I'm, I'm like, Wesley never had such problems. Of course, he wasn't the captain's son, but still, you know, he was a senior officer's son, but he never had such problems. So, I mean, do we see why they want to keep her keep a secret now that we that it got out in the open and we see everybody basically sucking up to her and asking for special treatment? Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah. 
So, Lower Decks got serious this episode, a little more serious than I ever expected. So, let's talk a little bit about the USS Sylvang, its destruction, and maybe uh, I'll just throw this out there. Did anyone ever expect someone to die on Lower Decks? No. No. Well, I mean, we have had some dismemberment and whatnot before, <laughs> so it's not totally out of the realm of possibility, but seeing like seeing like non-red shirt type characters, seeing like not throwaway characters die, it, it did carry some weight. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I totally on the destruction of that whole ship. I, I was just like, whoa, they went there. I really never expected that. And it's kind of hard to see that in a show like this because you have to balance that with two seconds later, they're going to an ultra silly scene. So it's kind of hard to to let it sink in and have the the gravitas they probably should when they're silly two seconds later. I said the 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 and we'll just you know we can talk about it. I think the Shaq's um his death was more impactful to me than um than the ship because it's just like you guys said, we know that character and um to me it had a little more gravitas to it than, than the ship, you know, a ship full of people dying. So I don't know. This is weird being in this show to me. I felt like it was an interesting convergence, though, because, you know, for for this entire season, we've basically been complaining about how goofy the show is. And then they just it just got like real, real quick. And I felt like that was a cool contrast to have like this super, super serious thing happen. And then like they're just like you said, they cut back and they're goofing off. And then those things just kind of collide together. And it just I don't know. I, I enjoyed all of that. Yeah, yep. I did as well. Yeah, like I it. totally agree there. It was a well-placed, well-deserved moment. And then, I mean, I hate to say that about someone dying, but I mean, it, I, I think this episode needed that. Yeah, I give him credit because I don't think there's been a real death on the Orville. So, mm, no. so I kind of have to give them credit for even attempting that on this show, you know, especially when the, the bridge officer. So, you know, it sucks, but kudos for, for going there. Like, has that ever happened in the Star Trek series before? Like, ever? Oh, Lieutenant Yar. Y- yeah, yeah. Which I'm not talking yeah. about, like, I'm not talking about, like, the movies. Cause I'm talking about, like, on the t- TV show. Because, you That's know, a- of course, of course, Data died in the movie. But, like, I'm talking about, like, in, like, the shows. Captain Giorgio. Pretty yeah. much uh, the whole crew of the. <laughs> so you had your Lieutenant Yar Jar- and uh, TNG. She was the security officer. That Worf took her place. And the most impactful to me was DS9 when Jezia Dax died. Yeah. And and again in Voyager the first episode, like didn't like a bunch of the crew like die? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it happens. Very true. Yeah, I think Yar might be the one that's at the top of everybody's mind for sure. Yep. And this wasn't technically a death, but you had Kess that yeah. evolved. Yeah, true, true, true. So yeah, it does happen. So who knows the history on the Exocomp? I'm, I'm imagining. I'm imagining oh. Jonathan can give us a backstory on what the peanut hamper is all about. <laughs> Man, I so I'm having to dig deep. That's an old TNG episode, and I don't remember the name of it. But these people, what were they? Were they terraforming or drilling for something? Yeah, they were. And, drilling. Yeah, yeah. And wasn't it the uh, like Jordy LaForge love interest lady? They built that? Uh, no, she do kind of look like a knob, but it was another alien. Okay. Well, anyway, this, this scientist built these things to do these, go into these holes that they were drilling through to kind of fix things that places humans couldn't go, obviously for dangerous reasons. 
And what they ended up finding out were was these things could be classified as a life form. Yeah. They were thinking, they were learning, and I think they were reproducing sort of. Didn't one build build another one or something like that? Maybe I can't quite remember all of that. Anyway, <laughs> the big biggest thing about it was these things were designed to, you know, as a piece of mach- machinery. Like there's a dangerous situation, we need to send somebody in and something in to fix it, and it probably wouldn't come back out. So when they got ready to send this thing in, it wouldn't go because it feared for its life. Yeah. And, and nothing better than to have data as their advocate to prove that they're right. a sentient being. So that's that's kind of how that episode went down. Uh, data realized this tool that they were using was actually could be sentient. And, you know, I think something happened where Picard was trapped on the planet or the drilling site and data like wouldn't let them use Exocomp to, to save yeah. him. And that's how Data kind of convinced him. He's like, it's really not much different than I am. And you guys wouldn't send me. Yeah. So that being said, when we fast forward to this episode, when they want the Exocomp to go uh, to the uh, other ship to release the virus, it said no. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it got the heck out of Dodge. Like, nah, see low. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. That was good. Tendy grew on me in this episode. Was it her interaction with Exocomp? Like, what was the what was the pull there? I, I guess that and and is she's actually what I've no, what I noticed once I once I noticed it, then I started thinking this has really been her the entire series. It the has season. It has. Like she she's the one. She always finds the bright side of things, the good side of things, and that's what I like to see. Like I when the Exocomp kind of. Looked like it was going to take her position in sick bay, and you think she would be mad, and she kind of twisted it around to be, "Hey, I, I'm the one brought this thing here. I'm the one that trained it. I'm the one that coached it." Yeah. Yeah. Like, even when we get to the end, you see a lot more of that positivity. Like, she takes it a bad situation and makes it a good situation. So, I, I, I did enjoy that. Yeah, and again, like all the all the references so far in this episode have not just been one-liners we throw away, but they were integral parts of the episode, you know? Yes. So let's lo- move a little forward to another TNG reference. I think it's TNG. Which is the Packlets. Um, and pretty much the only thing I can remember about this episode is them shooting Jordy and knocking him up against the uh, panel when they shot him. <laughs> Didn't it happen against the Packlets? Nah, wasn't it? Was it TNG? Because I think they Jordy went over there to fix something. Didn't Jordy go fix something and they like tried to keep him there? Yeah, they, oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. Yeah, that was a good episode, though. That was a pretty good episode. They wanted Jordy to be their engineer, but they're on the face of it, they're like the most, they're a joke as a enemy, you know, they're really a joke because they aren't engineers. They can't really, they're not really good at fixing things, but they pretty much just co-ops everybody, co-ops everyone else's technology into theirs. Uh, by any means necessary, I guess. So I guess even Ransom said most people see him as a joke because, you know, they're kind of slow and they don't really build nothing for on their own. And we see here they're a formidable enemy. They're the Kazon. The Borg with a learning disability. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought the Packlets being in the episode was pretty cool. Um, I thought that was good stuff. Um, what I didn't get, well, 
I don't know what what was good, but also was kind of weird to me is when they came up against the Packlets, you know, they had already destroyed the Sylvain and the Cerritos comes to their rescue. And once they get into these, these dire straits, they find out that Captain Freeman wants Mariner to actually come up with one of her harebrained schemes to get out of this, which I semi found was weird. But, you know, it fit with the show. She can't it, instead of going through their conventional process of trying to figure it out. She instantly went to Mariner do something crazy. Cause this is a crazy situation, which I liked, but it still felt kind of weird to be the first response to, to what's going on. Well, in desperate situations, <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of agree with you on that. I feel like if they went through like a few situations that didn't work first and then go to her, then it would have felt more natural. Yeah. Mm. See, I, I disagree. I disagree too. I was going to say there's two reasons I disagree. Number one, like they even say this later, like everybody on that ship just considers these guys a joke. Like they're, they're not taking them seriously at all. So they're completely caught by surprise. And number two, they don't have time to try anything else. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they got one shot basically. So, I mean, her, her daughter's gotten them out of a bunch of jams this season. So, I mean, Good point. I don't think this was a situation where conventional wisdom would have even worked. And she realized that. So mm-hmm. I, I don't and in that situation, I don't think there's I mean, you're talking to a bunch of hardcore Starfleet Academy graduates that's trained for every situation come against a situation that nobody could have even come close to expecting. Like, well, I agree with you, Clarence. Like, I think everybody was almost shell shocked. Like, what do we do? Like nothing we train for could tell us what to do here. We need, and we can't really come up with anything right now, but you know who can? This person that come up with crazy crap all the time. I don't know, man. <laughs> That's kind of what Starfleet is. They never know what they're going to come up against. So I don't know. I, I, I liked it, but still felt a little weird. You know. Now, what disappointed me was her solution. <laughs> like I would, I would have, I would have liked it more if her solution would have been a little more unorthodox. Uh, that solution really could have been come up with by some of the crew, by the captain or the science officer. Or it, I don't, I disagree. It was unethical and it was not, <laughs> it was illegal. Like they wouldn't have thought of that. To <laughs> load a virus into the other ship? It's yeah. happened before in many Trek, many the Trek episodes. Mm, well, not the way they described it in the episode. I don't have the, the Star Trek encyclopedia you do, but it seemed like it was something that they wouldn't normally do. Mm. All right, so let me jump in real quick. What the the <laughs> idea of her mother choosing her, I didn't find that as too much of a stretch because regardless of how they are presenting their relationship, the way I see it is she's still her mother's daughter and she knows she being the mother knows what her daughter is capable of and she as the captain saw I'm in a very dire strait we need to get out of this. Our best bet is Mariner. Do something. Yeah, I think it's cute, but we but we we see the huge conflict of interest here of why Mariner shouldn't have been on, shouldn't be on a ship that her mom is a captain. It's a it's a huge <clears throat> conflict of interest all over the place, which is fine. You know, this is Lord X. It's fine, but normally I think that would be like a huge because um, she definitely gets special treatment. She wouldn't even be in Starfleet. She was on any other ship, so. I don't know. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. But Badgie to the rescue, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that little thing. <laughs> uh, that was good, though. That was good. It was a nice callback to a previous episode. Badgie's awesome. 
you know, Badgie along with Mariner's Endless Contraband, which, oh, God, man, she just got stuff <laughs> stowed away. The triple. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. She had all kind of illegal stuff. Sorry and Brandy. I think that's been illegal forever. Yeah. Oh, um, Yeah, as far as her, like, um, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like that she was the best person for that. And like, it was established throughout the series with you, like the episodes or not, like this was perfect Mariner situation. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, she oh, definitely yeah. deserves to be in a higher position than she is. If she can act right. It almost gave me section 31 vibes. And I'm like, huh, she would be perfect for section 31. <laughs> and, and you yeah, know, the, nobody you know, had ever suspect her. Yeah. <laughs> And you know the funny thing, though? You guys say that she shouldn't be on this ship. It's nepotism, all this stuff. And I would almost disagree with that because I feel like if she was on any other ship, she would be on the bridge because she wouldn't be. She She's not oh. stupid. She knows she wouldn't get away with all that crap on any other ship. Right. Like, you know, I, I feel like she's doing that because she can. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I really do think that. Well, even in this episode, she tries to straighten up her act and, you know, pull the sleeves down and change her hair and stood up straight, you know. So, yeah, you, you're you're probably 100 percent right. She can on play that. the game. <laughs> they always say your uh, children act the act up the most with their parents than anybody else. Hmm. So any other thoughts on any of the stuff we talked about before we get to the huge cameo of the episode and kind of diced it up a little bit? Oh, man. <laughs> Well, I was just going to talk about the uh, couple of things made me chuckle. The uh, ransom uh, when they were, I don't know where where they were going. But anyway, he's got a call back to TOS. And she said, TOS? What's TOS? He said, those old scientists. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny, man. That was good. And then I think when they were taking uh, the captain to sickbay, and like all the commotion, they like busted the sickbay. And the doctor just turns around with meow. I mean, <laughs> that was hilarious. She like corrected her language at the end. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was funny. Yeah. Like also another thing I didn't get, like at the, by the end of the interaction with the Packlets, Mariner is basically the captain of the ship somehow. I'm like, how did that happen? Like, where, where are all the other senior officers? They're, she's like running the thing? Yeah, that was weird, too. And all the rest of her friends were on the bridge, too. So I'm like, okay, I guess it's cool. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Like, other than the captain, the rest of that bridge crew is kind of a joke anyway. Like, they're all, they're, they're, they're not like yeah. Star Trek caliber crew, you know, bridge crew. Leave me so I think the think. people that, the people that would have taken control were going, I think Ransom was still fighting people. Yeah. And then the other guy was, we know what happened to him, the security guy. So, I mean, they hadn't really, like you said, everybody else has just been background noise. Yeah, you're right about that. I, I just think it's funny that in in a show that's goofy, and when it finally gets a ser- serious situation, the goofiest person on the whole show was the one that actually helped. Like, I, <laughs> that's not lost on me at all. Yeah, <laughs> that is crazy. But she's obviously the smartest, just misguided. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the the big rescue at the end. And this is the second what um CBS All Access series in a row from Star Trek that we had this guy 
come in <laughs> for the rescue. AKA Riker saves another Star Trek show. <laughs> <laughs> save, save the ship. Save the show. Oh, man. Thoughts? I mean, this feels like exactly what happened with Picard. Everybody's like, oh, I don't know about it. Oh, Riker! Yes! Yes! Riker's back! <laughs> yeah! He's in his own ship. Yeah! Like, it's just, now, I don't he, know. Now, was, was he on the... T- he wasn't on the Titan in Picard, was no. he? he? was this on is some the other first ship. time we've actually was, seen the Titan. Yeah. We've heard mention of it in previous episodes, and I think in the book they described it a lot in a couple of the books, but we've never seen the Titan. Yeah, on screen anyway. Yeah, know. on screen. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Riker comes in, saves the day. I have to admit, like, um, I was enjoying the episode already, but man, that cameo, man, I was like, you know, uh, punching the air. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> this is freaking awesome. And not only him, but also, uh, Deanna Troy as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's what they have to do, man. Just give us every now and then throw some throw some old school loving in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I've been wanting them to do. And the character they picked was perfect for this because he can be a little like, you know, he can play a little fast and loose. And I feel right. like he vibed with the crewmates very well with his with his own personality. It didn't seem like like he was acting outside of himself. Yeah, you know, right. he seemed like Riker the whole time. So, like, I had I thought it was great the way to do it. Agreed with you. Case in point, if that would have been Picard, totally different feeling, totally would not have worked, in my opinion, the way this did. Yeah, he's yeah. a man of the people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I was back on uh, Nepente uh, cooking some uh, bunny corn pizza, whatever it's called. <laughs> he, he was just being all Riker, you know. <laughs> that was really good. Did, did, did we enjoy seeing uh, Troy as well in that? I did, Jeremy. Uh, she, I, I didn't. I almost didn't recognize her at first. Just the way she was animated looked just so different than what I remember her in the next generation. And I was like, "Who was that extra Riker?" And then she started <laughs> speaking. Then she started speaking. I was like, "Oh, well, that makes sense." It looked like her to me, man. Come on. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was her neck. So there was some weird animated neck thing going on. Really? Something to complain about, man. Uh, weird uh, animated neck thing. <laughs> is that what we're fussing about here? Really? Oh, That's the name of this episode. Y'all you know, asked a question, I answered. I wasn't fussing, I was stating. Um, I actually don't think I fussed up. Well, no, I probably have fussed already. Well, Ransom did try to hit on her, so, you know, she still got the hots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, but the swagger of Riker, man, is unparalleled. Unpar freaking low, man. How does it? How has he never gotten his own show? Like seriously, I don't know, man. Like, how does so that not happen? He's so that might be too much. I don't know, I man. Have, I think because he got more into the production side of Trek than anybody else. He's produced more episodes than I think any other Trek he character. Some of the movies. Yeah, he's prolific yeah. Star Trek director <laughs> for sure. Yeah, director, not producer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, and he comes out when he first walks into the bridge of the Titan. He makes a reference to the Enterprise. Oh, I love that finale. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, wow, they're they're hitting on all cylinders here. And then at the end, when he did the uh, he did his warp his warp thing. <laughs> warp five, six, six, four. <laughs> like only Riker man can pull that off. And I know you hated one part of this, Clarence, when he referenced the uh, <laughs> the Enterprise theme song. <laughs> Those guys had a long road getting from. Oh, <laughs> that, that was hilarious! The, 
hilarious. Oh my god. Oh, that, was, I hated that. that was so oh, funny. I hated that. that was so funny. <laughs> That was so funny. It was a little cringe, bro. Look, go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I was just gonna say. I said earlier that there was nothing I hated about this, but I forgot there was one thing I hated about this, and it was that statement about that freaking. Oh, song. God. <laughs> it's it's the it's the one reference that every Star Trek fan has riffed on over the last twenty years. So I don't blame him. <laughs> like that's why I laughed because everybody makes fun of that song except for Jonathan. Like that's why I thought it was funny because <laughs> they were making fun of the song. Like that's why it was funny to me. And it yeah, was but, funny to me because the exact same reason. I was like, man, I'm probably the only person here that liked that reference. <laughs> yeah, it's fine and good that they were laughing at it, but damn, I didn't want to remember. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little cringe, but it was still funny. Like, I, I, actually sung, I actually sung it in my head. After oh, God. Oh man! Whenever I think about Enterprise, because like he was talking about Enterprise, I was like, "He's talking—is he talking about like the TV show?" And then he talked. He said the guy's name, and then he starts saying, "Oh, it was great! It was great! I loved it." It's been a long world. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Kidding uh, from me. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I'm watch Enterprise. Now. Speaking of the Titan, Baumler um, is now looks like a lieutenant aboard the Titan. Transfer promotion. What? Ensign, wasn't he? He was already Ensign, wasn't he? Didn't he have another pip? He, well, he had a pip got and a half. He got the second one. What's a pip? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad it's not. For, for the kids in the back, <laughs> tell us what a pip is. It's the 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 um it's the rank insignia that's on their collars. Oh, so it's the, the dots on the collar. I got it. Yeah, they call them pips. Trying to see what he what he went up collar. to. I thought it was a lieutenant, but who knows? You're right. It's a lieutenant. Hmm. I mean, I let's be honest. He was kind of wasted on the lower decks, so it's good to see him actually do something. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that um that Mariner fills a vacancy on her mom's um bridge, but that's probably not going to happen. But yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't know if I could take another season of her goofing off. Like, I hope that she grows from this and you know actually works with her mom, kind of like they they kind of like gave the pound at the end. Like, yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping there's more of that and less like, you know, child rebel, re- sick and adolescent child rebellion stage or whatever that was. Yeah. And we get um, I'm kind of want to see follow up more on Bormler, Bormler, however you say it again, uh, on his progression on the Titan. So we see he kind of takes uh, he uses this promotion as a chance to start over. And because of his time, I think, spent with Mariner, he has a lot to talk about. Yeah, that, which he showed off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a little more he's a little more seasoned now. Like it's he's not just plain Joe now. So But I'm going to make speculation that I think Palmer will be back on uh, next I year. hope they don't DSX mocking you that. Like that would <laughs> suck so much, but you're probably right. I don't know, man. Mike Mac McMahon kind of uh, hinted that we'd see more of the Titan in season two. So, I mean, hopefully it's not just one episode, but he kind of hinted that this was going to be a thing to see how Bungler progresses or degresses. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe he and Mariner are both the first officers. That would be kind of, I I want to see them both as bridge crew. I think that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm not sure where they go from this. Like, are they going to have another season of this? Like, I don't really see where this can go. They're going to have to change the name to <laughs> not, not lower decks. Like, or, or, or we, or will we have more lower deckers and they're like the senior staff trying to deal with them? You know, ah, there you go. Who knows? That would work. 
I can't believe no one has mentioned Rutherford. Yeah, we didn't mention Rutherford's sacrifice. I know. Re- reset for Rutherford. Yeah, that was kind of sad. That's like yeah, a data storyline. Was it though? He lost his memories with his friends. Mm, yeah, I guess. Hey, losing your memory is a big thing in Doctor Who, so I know how this feels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Memories are important. Yeah, I got to start over, man. That sucks. Maybe I'm just not bummed because Tindy wasn't bummed about it. She's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, man. Hooray for positivity. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So we've been going about an hour. So let's let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Let's go around the horn and get everybody's rating for this episode. And I will start five out of five. Jeremy, what do you think, man? So the thing I appreciated most about this episode was that we got the big reveal at the beginning. It didn't have to watch 30 minutes this play out for it to finally be revealed to everybody that she's the captain's daughter. They got out of the way and they played on it from that. I really appreciated that. Everything built up wonderfully from that. I'm going to give it my probably my highest rating of the season so far. Four out of five. Oh, nice. Nice. What about you, John? Um, so, uh, like I said, I really enjoyed this and comparing to my other 3.5 episodes, if I compare it to that, uh, I'll have to give it a solid four as well. Oh. Uh, we've seen a lot of character progression. Uh, Bumbler got a promotion. Um, I, like Jeremy said, I'm glad that we got the mother daughter thing out of the way and man, just the the Riker coming in on the Titan saving the day, saving the show, as Carrie said, is a plus for me. So nice, nice. Cal, what do you think, man? Okay, so I came into this with a very, very strong, solid written in stone five out of five. But the last 10 minutes, I've been reminded of something that I absolutely cringe about. So I'm going to give it a four point nine, 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 nine. Really? <laughs> Only the because song. of that stupid song. Four point nine, 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 nine. Round it up. Round it up. But still four point nine, 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 nine. It was like eight words. <laughs> I know, but, it, but now that freaking song is stuck in my head. Oh, boy. But I'm rounding it up, so I'm not saying that it's a five, but I'm giving it a four point. All those nines rounded up. Uh, that song, Still Breaking Hearts, Still Breaking Hearts. Carrie, what about you, man? Hmm, well, I'll just say, like, from the first episode of this show, I had, like, all these hopes of what I would see. Even though, you know, I was kind of WTF the first episode, I was like, man, this has so much potential. Um, and there were certain things that I wanted to see, you know, cameos being one of them, re- like solid references being one of them, um, character development being one of them, like and not just not just well-written story, like well-written character interaction. Like and I feel like this episode pretty much checked all those boxes for me. So I have to give it a five out of five. Um, the only thing I'll say is. I wish that they would have gone in this direction a little earlier, maybe mid mid season, maybe even yeah. though the episodes did start getting a lot better. Um, I just hope that, you know, the feedback from this episode encourages them to, you know, try to stick closer to this format. I'm, I don't want them to go completely away from the goofy stuff because I feel like one reason this episode was so much enjoy, like one of the reasons it was so enjoyable was because, you know, the references and stuff were, they weren't just 
like littered throughout the series. Like, you know, I, I do want them to maintain the writing level and like as far as the storylines and stuff, there wasn't a lot there wasn't too much going on. Like uh, everything that I complained about, they pretty much fixed. So, you know, I hope that they continue in this direction. Yeah, agreed, hundred percent. And I will say we probably are not gonna do a season review of this simply because we're going right into Discovery. So at some point if we want to, we might revisit it. But lucky for us, I have some of our numbers for the season that I'll talk about real quick. So this uh, this episode is obviously our most highest rated episode that we've reviewed from our ratings. And I kind of went back and did the numbers. Our lowest rated episode was episode two, Unvoice. So that was by far. Well, that was one of our lowest. We had a couple that were pretty close. But was that, that was, the drunk Klingon one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that was our lowest and our highest rated episode prior to this one. This one is definitely going to be our highest. But our prior prior to this one, our highest rated episode was uh, Much Ado About Boimler, which which I thought was pretty good as well. So so yeah, we've I have to say our our, our reviews are kind of in the middle of the road for the most part. <laughs> for, <laughs> but but you know, hopefully this is a a good jumping off point to to um to next season whenever that happens so so yeah i'm excited indeed so let's go around the horn and get what everybody has been working on podcast related or otherwise or have been watching or something that you might be excited for and let's start with you care what do you got man um something to be excited for uh so um if you haven't um heard uh nvidia has new graphics cards out they're called the rtx 3080 and 3090 you can't find them anywhere, but <laughs> just thought you might want to know they came out. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about that's the crunch there. Yeah, that sucks. We should talk about that soon. Oh, yeah, we should. <laughs> we should on this other podcast we do called Techpedition. As you can find at techpedition.com. Uh, Jeremy, what you got, man? Um, just the usual, just work and, um, you know, binging. We're right now I'm binging West Wing because it's political season. Um, <laughs> and that's really it. Aren't they doing a reunion for that? They are. It's going to be on Wednesday night. Actually, they're they're re they're, they're, it's, it's what they're doing is they're redoing an episode from I think season three called Hartsfield Landing, and they're they're just redoing. They're adding some more scenes to it. It's like going to be on a stage. Um, I think Sterling K. Brown is taking the place of um, he's going to play Leo McGarry since the original actor passed away. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Nice. Awesome. I didn't know about that. That's going to be on HBO Max. No, well, I can't watch that. <laughs> John, what you got, dude? Um, so it's pretty much the same as Jeremy, just doing a lot of work and a lot of trick watching. Uh, but I did finish season two of Cobra Kai, and it <laughs> was awesome. Like, I told I you. <laughs> and like it, it, it's serious like there's a couple of guys at gym that I work with and I, I never really I never really talked to these guys they're not really like talkative guys <laughs> but they came in the other day in Cobra Kai shirts I'm like what <laughs> what are you doing? like Cobra Kai like people are really raving about this and i see why like i am excited about the new season so i can't wait for that in january and also i'm continuing with the netflix series away about the first human man mission to mars fictional story of course but it is also a very very good show so you should definitely check that out 
Yeah, I can't wait to get into that eventually when I have some time. Cal Jones, what about you, man? Well, since you mentioned Doctor Who just a few minutes ago, I will say anyone who is a fan of Doctor Who, you can check out Clarence, myself, and our friend Lee Shackelford on Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com. Yeah, and as for me, I will, I'm just going to, my parting gift is going to be, stop giving Discovery Season 1 a bad route, man. I just... I just went back and watched it. This this was that was my weekend binge to rewatch Discovery season one. I'm gonna try to get season two in before Thursday, but who knows? And season one is so good, man. It is so good. It has great mystery, a, a unconventional captain, but he's still freaking awesome. <laughs> it just has so many good things in it. I really, really enjoyed rewatching that season. Uh, even, you know, knowing what's going to happen, I thought it was a very, very <laughs> enjoyable watch. It maybe gets better with time, you know. So was was the Klingon sex better the second time around? Yeah, the Klingon <laughs> sex is Klingon sex, you know. What can I say? <laughs> You're not going to hurt me anymore. <laughs> oh, and then Lorca. It's destiny. Lorca's awesome. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I want to see more Lorca. Jason Isaacs is fantastic, man. <laughs> but anyway, that's about it. Um, like I said, guys, you can always hit us up at Discussing Trek on the social medias. Fans at DiscussingTrek.com for email inquiries. And again, thanks to Eric Hetherington for, for writing in and giving giving his input on this episode. He gave it a six out of five, which I almost want to agree with him. It's great stuff. And yeah, I guess we have Star Trek Discovery Season 3 to get excited about in just a few days. So yeah i just know the internet is going to be a flutter with what's going on there and yeah getting discovery back so i'm feeling good and that's going to be it guys so until next time live long and prosper Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Discussing Network.